You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I am sitting down with Gigi Robinson. Um, We actually connected over social media, and I am just so thankful um, that we connected and that she is here today uh, to be on the podcast to share her story and all of the amazingness that she has to offer. Um, So welcome, Gigi. Thank you for being here. Hey everyone. Thank you so much, Carly, for having me on. I'm really excited. And obviously like, I believe that we are connected online for a reason and, Mm -hmm. um, it's just super, super awesome to be here and I'm excited to be introduced to your community. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. And I totally agree. I, I believe people come into your life for a reason. Um, and I think, you know, we're kind of in the same community, same kind of realm, doing similar work. So um, I'm always really excited when I find people, new people like that. Yeah. So to start off, uh, do you mind just telling us a little bit about who Gigi is? Yeah. Well, hello again, everyone. Um, My name is Gigi Robinson. And let me just say like something that I started doing over the past um, kind of year is really talking confidently. Um, and when people ask, like a lot of times people are like, Oh, like I'm here with Gigi. It's like Gigi who, like, I want to be known as like my full name. So I always tell people like to feel more confident, to feel like the main character, always address yourself with like your, your, the name that you want to be known as. Mm -hmm. So once I started embracing that, um, both online and offline and hopefully in person again, um, one day soon, um, by being on panels and stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, just doing all of that has been something that I think I've been able to share with people over the past months and year and a half, two years almost. Mm -hmm. Um, but sorry, I'm going on a tangent before I really talk about what I do. Um, (laughs) I'm a New York city based creator. Most of the time, sometimes I travel to Florida, Los Angeles, who knows where else in the near future. We'll see. Um, and I create content about body image specifically, uh, in the chronic illness and mental health realms as well, as well as, uh, call like collegiate lifestyle. Um, and I also love tech and gear and photography. So I'm kind of like a big mishmash, but I would say like talking about all of those things is really empowering to me because it, it enables others to be empowered. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's really cool. I don't know. I did a horrible introduction. No, that was perfect. And I just want to say, we love a mishmash. Like we love love just like a little bit of everything I think is so empowering. And I think also just really good for us as humans to like have our toes and like 
a couple of different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it keeps life interesting and yeah. just makes it fun. So I totally appreciate that. Um, and also I totally relate to the, what you mentioned at the beginning in terms of like, be like thinking of the name that you want to be known as, or like going yeah. by that and just like stepping into that. So I really love that. So Gigi, thank you so much for that intro. Um, I kind of want to start a little bit with the chronic illness that you mentioned. Um, if you would be comfortable just sharing a little bit about what it is, the chronic illness that you, um, experience and like how long you've had it or been experiencing it. Um, just to kind of give us a little overview of, of that aspect of your life. Yeah. So, um, the condition that I have is called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It is a form of dysautonomia where my, uh, collagen in my body forces or makes my ligaments loose. So it makes it much easier for me to get injured. Um, and it also makes my joints super unstable. Uh, there's been a lot (laughs) that's gone into the whole process of me dealing with it over the past, like, I don't know, my entire life. Um, Mm -hmm. I did get diagnosed at an early age because I kept getting injured and it was like very honestly, like kind of traumatic and stressful. Um, and that, you know, started when I was like at age 11. So there was a lot that went on with like this resentment over my body because my Mm -hmm. doctors couldn't know what was going on. My friends and, you know, teachers couldn't really see what was going on because it's an invisible condition, um, which many chronic illnesses are. And Mm -hmm. it just was so difficult growing up, um, with it. And also like going to doctors and just being like, I'm really in pain right now. Like, what can I do? And because I was a minor, my parents were in charge of my body basically. So Mm -hmm. even though we had conversations of like, oh, will you try a medicine? Will you do this? Will you do that? It like ultimately was up to my parents, not Mm -hmm. me. Um, And that was very difficult. A lot of like the symptoms were just like severe pain all over my body. Like fatigued. I don't know how many listeners maybe have this, this long COVID and feeling fatigued and so down all the time. I luckily had COVID, so I can't speak from experience, but Mm -hmm. this is how like I have felt almost every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. and when you go into like a quote unquote flare up, it's like where everything is like so much worse. And a lot of times there's really nothing that you can do about it besides like take a bath, try to de-stress, like try to sleep it off, but sometimes even like lying down hurts, like walking hurts, all of these things. So it's difficult. And then I've also been told over the years to just like, oh, do physical therapy, like do something mm-hmm. to strengthen your core. And I'm like doing physical therapy and strengthening my core is not going to heal my chronic fatigue, but thank you very much. Yeah. I'll try. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've tried a lot of things over the years and it's been difficult. And I mean, I'm was diagnosed at age what, 11 and I'm 23 now. Like that's been like almost like it's over a decade that I've been mm-hmm. looking for answers and things that will work. And I finally did get like surrender and get on a medication that, um, has been working pretty well for me. But, um, part of, I think managing the condition also goes into managing my mental health. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's been a whole other nutcase. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm interested in like hearing, when did you decide to start like using your chronic illness or your condition, um, as part of your like platform, like sharing that openly with your community? 
Yeah. So there were like really a a couple things that went into it. I think the biggest thing was being in college, being across the country. I'm from New York City. I went to school in Los Angeles at USC and I was 3000 miles away and I was dealing with the worst symptoms of my life. Um, Like I was in the doctor or a physical therapist or getting a body scan at like an MRI or an x-ray or whatever, blood drawn, like literally all of these crazy appointments were filling my life as a college student when my friends are getting coffee and going to brunch and um, you know, going out to parties and events in LA because LA is crazy and USC is very <laughs> pretentious. <laughs> um, and I was like all alone and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what else to do. At first I was really scared to talk about it because I felt alone. But then mm-hmm. the second that I started talking about it, posting about it, making art about it, I was like, wait, like there's so many other people out here dealing with this stuff, especially people that look okay most of the time and always say like, oh, like, Hey Gigi, like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm just exhausted. You know, like that, that was like an answer I gave a lot or like, you know, like just is what it is. Like mm-hmm. that's like my mindset a lot of the time, or it was, um, because I wasn't confident enough to say like, I'm actually really struggling and things are really difficult right now. And I could just like use like a hug, <laughs> you yeah, know, definitely. Um, yeah. so, and, and I was probably about like 19 or 20 when that was like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, And then uh, the pandemic happened and I actually was having a really, really difficult time um, in the spring of 2019 is when like I was super sick all summer, 2019, super sick fall, 2019, like so, so sick. I literally, I had to go on a medically reduced course load. And before the pandemic happened, um, I was having conversations with my teachers and just being like, is there a way for me to take a semester off or like stay Mm -hmm. remotely in New York and like get treatment and work here um, and do whatever remotely by any chance? Like this was all stuff before doing anything remote was like normal. Um, And I was really considering it. And I think then that's when I started posting about like, okay, this one medication that I was on when I was alone was causing me to have like, some issues with eating and some really bad habits of like binging. And Mm -hmm. it was like, really just not a good time for me. Um, so then I developed anxiety around eating and anxiety around medication. And it's like all this like medical PTSD that I think nobody really talks about, especially when it has to do with your body and like the things medication can do to your body and your mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was kind of it, but coming home, really just served as like a catalyst. I was like, if I don't have a community around me right now, like in person, I can at least do something online and the rest is history. (laughs) Well, I'm so proud of you for, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and being vulnerable because that can be a really difficult thing to do online. Mm -hmm. Um, I can relate to that in terms of my eating disorder. And the first time I decided to like openly share, about my eating disorder and, and feeling those feelings of like fear and like vulnerability and like, how are people going to react to this? Mm -hmm. Um, and I found that, you know, just being open and sharing can be so therapeutic because you do create such a beautiful community of people who support you, who are there for you and to maybe even relate to a lot of the stuff that you're sharing. So I love that you've been able to do that for yourself and for your community. Um, I think it's such a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. 
So with that, I know you mentioned an invisible, what did you say? Invisible illness? Is that what you, the term you used? Okay. Um, I think that's a really important topic of conversation because we hear that a lot in the mental health field um, in terms of like, you know, you have like a physical condition that you can see. So say you like break your arm or whatever, like people can see that people know you're hurting, people know you're struggling. And then you have like mental illness that can't be seen. That's like invisible and is hard to explain to people and is hard for people to understand if they've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I think of when you share that. So am I correct in that? Or is there a little bit more to that that you want to mention? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's like a ton of accounts that I would like follow that um, detail this a lot more. Um, one is diversability. A friend of mine runs it. Another friend runs, but you don't look sick official. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the whole concept, right? Like you don't look sick or like, are you sure you're really struggling? Right? Like you never know. So I think the way that I would just treat that is probably the same as you would treat something with mental health or mental illness of just like being kind and being understanding and just like being like, you know what, like, I don't know what this person is going through, but like, all I can do is like, love them and support them and, um, you know, not get mad when Mm -hmm. somebody cancels last minute or oversleeps, right? Like there's, we're human at the end of the day. And like, I think people just need to be so much more understanding, um, that it's like a really hard time to be. And also I will say like, I I feel like the past couple of years has taught me this because I literally entered the pandemic 21 and I'm going to come out of it probably 25. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that the whole idea of like having trouble in your 20s, I think like maybe like the millennial generation touched on it here and there. But I think as older Gen Zers like myself are going through emerging into their 20s and feeling like a lot of their you know, early twenties are lost can like really be emphasized right now when it comes to mental health. And I will say as a chronically ill woman, like I'm immunocompromised. Like I can't go on dates with people. I can't go out to like these like comedy shows or, you know, whatever, anything. I mean, nothing's really open in New York anymore because Mm -hmm. of the new variant, which is very fun. But, um, like I've literally been in my house. Like I have Mm -hmm. not left my house besides walking my dog in the past 10, 12 days. Like it's like getting back to that really unhealthy, like lockdown kind of vibe again for me. And with a chronic illness, that's it. like lockdown can be anytime. Like Mm -hmm. even when there wasn't a new thing and, you know, people were double masking and like things were open again, like it was still really giving me so much anxiety to go out because I just, it just like, every time I stepped out, it's like, oh my God, am I like risking my life? Like, it's scary. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So how did you, so two things first, we'll focus on the, how did you navigate, um, kind of like having those discussions with people regarding your chronic illness, um, like mm-hmm. explaining it to people or, you know, just trying to get them to understand what, what you were experiencing, not that that's your responsibility in any right. way, um, to explain that to them and help them understand really. But like, what did that process look like for you, especially for, you know, anyone who's listening, who may relate and maybe experiencing a new chronic illness, um, and who may be in those beginning stages. 
Yeah. I mean, I think this is a really excellent thing to talk about because in college when, I mean, let me just preface this with, I denied my chronic illness basically up until I was like 19 or 20 when I really started struggling. And part of that is because one, it was invisible. So I just tried to tell myself the same thing that other people were telling me and like believing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, the second that I acknowledged it and realized that like, the more I suppress it and ignore it, the worse things are going to get both for me mentally, both for the doctors, both for my relationships. Um, cause you know, friends would say like, Oh, where are you going? And I'm like, Oh, an appointment. They're like, what are you what? like? You're in college. Like, what are you going mm-hmm. to an appointment for? Like are you going to office hours? Like, what is it? I'm like, Oh, it's like actually because I have a chronic illness and then you have to get into that. So I think the more confident you are and the more okay you are with accepting your disability or chronic illness or mental illness or um, whatever condition it is that Mm -hmm. you might have, the easier it'll be for you to talk about it both with yourself and with the people around you that you have relationships with, whether that's friendships, intimate relationships, or um, like familial relationships. Um, I think obviously you don't need to share everything the way that people like myself do like influencers Mm -hmm. and, um, that people do on podcasts. But I think when you, when you really just embrace it and like surrender to it, it'll help you find ways to integrate other aspects of your life, um, into your life as a chronically ill person. So that would be the first step. Um, Mm -hmm. what was the second question or the second part of that? Well, I never, I didn't ask it yet. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was I was like, I'll just yeah. do one at a time. Severe brain fog. Um, but <laughs> okay. yeah, I, I, mean, I threw you off. Cause I said two, and then I only, I only one. Yeah. asked you one of them. <laughs> um, but before but, I go on to the second uh, one, I want to touch on the concept of surrendering to yeah. the chronic illness or mental illness. Um, that's something that I've worked with clients on in, in my internship and, and being a therapist and stuff like that. And I think it's a really beautiful concept. Um, do you want to explain to the listeners a little bit of like what that was like for you, um, to anyone listening, who's like, what do you mean? Like surrender to your chronic illness? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first I'll tell another short story. The first year of college, I had a roommate and I was having horrible migraines. Like it was honestly from like taking birth control. Um, Mm -hmm. that's what we like figured out. Um, and that was making my chronic pain worse. It was making like a lot of other things bad. So that was one aspect of it. And I was like, Oh, whatever. It's just this annoying thing. Let me just take Excedrin. Let me just take naps, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that was kind of just like resisting what was actually having with the problem. Um, then when the next year, when I really started having issues, I kind of like I like hid from it. Like I kept, like, I took the medicine in private. Like I, you know, didn't tell my friends how sick I was. Like I was very, I, I maybe told my teachers, but I didn't fully understand what was happening. Um, and when I say surrender, I just mean like things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. And you just have to let them happen. Like, like another example of surrendering, sorry, I'm just trying to like relive it is like, I was sick and a friend of mine did not believe me like Mm -hmm. at all. And that was like one of the most hurtful things to me. And I think the most hurtful thing you could do to anyone dealing with something invisible is kind of like deny them what's Mm -hmm. actually happening. Um, 
surrendering is also, I think about acknowledging and like Mm -hmm. being aware of something also. So, Mm -hmm. um, when this friend didn't believe me, like, you know, like they came over and they were kind of like, I researched your condition and, you know, it's really scary. And like, I understand. And I'm like, but you don't understand because you haven't been there with me. And, you know, it's really difficult. And even like having somebody want to be interested, but then resisting them coming to me to like, try to help based on an outsider's perspective was resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, after that, I would also say I had to surrender to losing this friend over time. Um, because there were a number of other things that were going on, but it was because I was sick because I was like pushing everyone away, um, Mm -hmm. that I was having the most difficult time. And I just said like, at least this the past two years have just taught me to just like throw your hands up and just like trust something. Um, yeah, so yeah. I finally got a care team that I think really is great. Um, and this is very specific. I've seen probably hundreds of doctors over the past decade that have tried to like figure out what, what will work for me. And mm-hmm. I at first tried something holistic that was not working. I then tried another holistic thing that was not working. Um, and I said to my doctor, you know what, what do you think? Like, what would you do? You're, you know, the, the person I'm coming to and paying you for this, mm-hmm. what do you recommend I do? And she's like, I think you should try this medication. I try this medication and I'm like, holy shit, this really improves my life. And when you do make that switch to just like letting someone else kind of like help guide you in your health journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it can change a lot for you, especially if it works. And I, I feel like the biggest misconception with this chronic illness and like how I'm feeling now versus how I was feeling last year, two years ago, three years ago is the fact that I finally found something that works. And it took a fucking decade. It took over a decade. Like people make this seem like when they talk to me and I'm like, I feel so much better now. They're like, how, And I'm like, well, it took, it literally took 12 years. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a whole thing. I don't know. I'm like tangenting. I don't know how to fully describe the idea of it without just saying like, you have to just like, let it happen and just try things. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that the way you described it is very relatable. It's, I think it's easy for people to kind of wrap their heads around, um, I think another aspect of it too, that I've seen with my clients is like that idea of like when you surrender to whatever it is that you're experiencing, whether it's chronic illness or like mental illness or whatever it is, um, you allow space in your life for other things. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, like for a lot of people that I've worked with, once they've kind of done that, they've, they've surrendered, let's say they, find time in their life to do other things that they enjoy because all of their time isn't focused solely on trying to fix or find a solution for what they're experiencing. Um, and I know for a lot of people that I've worked with, that's been a really like freeing and and beautiful thing to do. Um, I think another aspect of it, that's really interesting that I thought about when you were talking was, like the stigma around mental illness, the stigma around chronic illness, that is what makes it difficult for people to surrender. That's what makes it difficult for people to come to terms with what they're experiencing. Um, and I think you mentioned like you, you kind like 
you found yourself not accepting your chronic illness at first. Um, and then also kind of talking about like that medication aspect of it, where you tried all of these different things. And then, um, like, do you feel like there was a stigma surrounding being on medication that was kind of holding you back from taking that step? Well, there's a couple of things I was just also thinking about just one on the, the note of surrendering there's the self, and then there's the other. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of these situations, you have to think of yourself first and like, it's okay to be selfish with that. And like, you should be when it comes down to your health and your mental health and your physical health. Like that is like, honestly, like, I think the number one priority in life mm-hmm. is like your health. Um, because like you only have one body to live in, um, yeah. you only have one mind to be with for the rest of your life. You only have one like true, true best friend and that's yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so being nice to yourself is like the, the, the best thing that you can do. And I think looking at yourself like in the mirror or like just thinking of like, if you, if your best friend was struggling, like what would you do? And then like mm-hmm. doing that and showing up for yourself that way is like the most important thing. Um, so yeah, just surrendering with that. And then just realizing that like, you can't control what other people say or think. So even if like your best friend comes to you and is like, I don't, appreciate you like always canceling on me and you're like look like I really understand where you're coming from it's so shitty of me to do that but at the same time like I have to do this for my health and mm-hmm. as your you know best friend is is you're my best friend like can you try to understand that like there's just some things that I go through with my health that like I I can't figure out so um that was the first thing uh the second thing on medication I will say yes there's a stigma around it absolutely Um, I mean, I resisted it for so long. I also have gone like the thing with medication is like, you don't always get like the results on the first try. Um, I think a a really simple example that I can give is like some people like Advil, some people like Aleve and some people like Tylenol. They've tried all of them, but one works best for them. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how it is when it goes to like more serious medications as well. Some things will work for you. Some of the side effects won't work for you. I mean, it's the same with like birth control. Um, but that's different point. Um, and I had tried some other things with certain doctors in the past that again, I think kind of led me down the path of medical PTSD, because when I was young, I was on a medication that was really helping me, but then it caused like my liver enzymes or liver levels of, I don't really understand the science or the terminology, but something was wrong with my liver because I was taking this medication, which they were like, this is a side effect. It could happen. So then you have to go off the medication. You go off the medication, your symptoms come back. You're sad, you're depressed, you're anxious around taking a new medication that might alter something else. And that was like all in my teenage years. And I didn't talk about it to anybody, yeah. like not even my therapist was some, like, I didn't even think to talk about that. Now I have a special therapist. That was the other thing about surrendering, go to therapy party people. Um, <laughs> it really helps. And, yeah. uh, so, so then when I was really, really sick, doctors were giving me random things. They weren't working. Then I went to a specialist over my, you know, winter break and he's like, Oh, I want you on all of this stuff. And, you know, I ended up taking like 40, 50 things a day, pills a day. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so much. And it was causing me to not eat. So then I was only like drinking coffee and not eating and you're supposed to eat on this medication. So then I would like binge eat with it. And it was just like a whole clusterfuck of stuff going on. And then I like lost weight. And then people were saying, Oh, you look really good. Like you lost so much weight. look so skinny you're so snatched I'm like why is being skinny when like I feel like the worst in my life like your top priority like that's so Mm -hmm. fucked um and then when I went to this new doctor I was like no medication 
I don't want it. It, you know, caused me to binge eat in the past. It caused my mental health to go down. Like it just like was really difficult. And she was like, okay, fine. Like here's our options. And I think hearing someone out in that, and again, surrendering, like it also took maturity, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was like 19 when I first started dealing with this stuff and I'm 23 now, like that's like couple years difference, like four years, right? Like it's kind of like going into like freshman year of college versus like first year post-grad, like that's where we're at now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I went to this doctor, she's like, okay, we have a, we have plan a, um, and then we have kind of like, uh, a one, a two. Okay. Now we have plan B plan B one B two, um, plan C. And it took us until we got to plan C for me to accept going on medication. And Mm I was like, you know what? I'm willing to test out. And I was talking about all of these past issues with my therapist. And she said, worst case scenario, you just go off the medication. Like, like that's the worst case. The best case is like, it really helps and it really works. And you figure out something that works and you know what? This little pillbox thing. And for those listening, like I'll send Carly the link. It's like a three time a day medication box. It's something I just like am committed to taking. And now I in some ways do look forward to it, especially on days that I really have pain. And I just like, Mm -hmm. I try to make it fun. I try to make it cute. Um, and just like make myself comfortable, even though like inevitably, do I want to be on medication? No. Yeah. Is it forever? I don't know. Like I just Mm -hmm. am accepting whatever is helping me now. And that's all we can do is focus on what will help us in the present moment. Um, I also will say that like, my condition is not like a terminal condition. It is a lifelong condition, but it's not something that like, um, I also need to like take medicine to live for, which is why Mm -hmm. anything that I say, definitely take with a grain of salt and like realize that chronic illness and the way that you get treatment for something is going to look completely different person to person. Um, and I mean, it's the same as mental health, right? Like that's why they make so many different things because like I said before, it's like trying something different to see what works for you. Yep. And I agree so much. Yeah. I think just, especially for anyone who is like new to their diagnosis, whether it's chronic illness, whether it's mental illness. Um, I think the biggest takeaway really from what you said is just surrounding yourself with people who you trust, people who are going to be there for you. Um, people who are going to understand like what you're going through or who are at least going to try and understand what you're going through. Um, and also you made a really good point in terms of like the confidence. Um, I think that's huge too, in terms of navigating like what is best for each individual, being confident in yourself, being confident in, you know, your doctors. Um, and also another really great, great point you mentioned is you may not be on medication for the rest of your life. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, that is such a freeing thing to remind yourself of in terms of like, this could look completely different six months from now. Um, and so just understanding that this is where you are right now, and this could be different in six months, you may be off of medication, you may find something that works better, but currently that's what works for you. I think that is a huge part of that surrender aspect and also that confidence aspect and also just the coming to terms with like where an individual is. Yeah. And it can, it it can literally change. And like, it's a combination of things, right? Like I literally like in the next, I asked my doctor about this because my medication is a controlled substance. Um, and 
that's also comes with its whole bout of anxiety because you can only get it refilled, mm-hmm. um, you know, the day of, or a day before. And like, what happens if you're traveling? What happens if you're out of the country? What happens if you're not in the state that it's prescribed? Like there's so much anxiety that's gone around it with me. And she's like, you're just going to have to figure that one out. Like you're, I'm seeing you in New York. You're supposed to be in New York. Like, Mm -hmm. like, and I'm like, Hey, like, that's not fair. And she's like, this is like the reality of it. So I'm like, okay, in in that case, like, am I going to be on this forever? Do I want to be on this forever? She said, you know what? We'll figure it out. Maybe you take a vacation from this medication in a year Mm -hmm. and we'll see how, we'll see how much it helps you over the year. And then we'll try to wean you off of it. And like, this is also combined with like, breath work and meditation Mm -hmm. and acupuncture and acupressure and, um, you know, like figuring out all of these other things that go into physical therapy and swimming and water aerobics. Like literally I have so many things that I'm also working on to like, try to help improve my health. And you can't just say that it's like one thing because you have to also heal your mind and your relationship Mm -hmm. with, with what's going on, which is why I think therapy is like crucial, especially if you can get like a therapist that is, um, specifically trained to like help with chronic pain or chronic Mm -hmm. illness or, you know, PTSD or mental health disorders, like, like having somebody who knows what they're talking about and can relate to you and, or like understands your, what can cause your triggers to flare Mm -hmm. up. Right. And something I said before, it's like figuring out how you can integrate the rest of your life into your life as a patient. Um, especially when you're really, really sick is like, I think key. Um, so the past, you know, year and a half, I decided like, I'm going to not go to corporate America. And even if I did want to go to corporate America, it wouldn't work for me because I can't like, I'm, I see doctors and I have too much going on for me to like feel well enough to, to work, um, on a committed nine to five or 10 to six schedule. Like that's just not working. Mm -hmm. So I opened my own business that comes with its own bits of, you know, anxiety and stress. And, um, I think stress is managing stress levels is also like key to being able to focus on like, Oh, like, how do I feel? Like what's going on? Like, where's the consciousness of like how my body feels like right now? Like, I know I'm like leaning forward. So my back is kind of hurting a little, Mm -hmm. um, but there's, yeah, there's so many different things. Yeah. And I think it just goes to show like how connected, like our mental health is to our physical health, um, which unfortunately like, isn't a huge topic of conversation, (laughs) um, especially when we're younger and, you know, we're taught like how to be quote unquote healthy. And during that, we're not, we're not taught about our mental health or our emotional health. It's just, here is how to be physically healthy. And, um, I think, I mean, science shows like just how much our mental health, um, and our brain has an effect on our physical bodies, Mm -hmm. um, like with IBS and like the brain gut access access and all of this stuff, like our mental health and our physical health really go hand in hand. And I think having that understanding just makes navigating an illness a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, because you prioritize your mental health and what makes you feel good mentally, emotionally, yeah. physically, all of that. Yeah. I will say the other thing that I, I know that I'm very privileged to have access to is like healthcare and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. honestly because of my mom and that I'm on her healthcare, um, for a couple more years. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. And like, that's something that I'm going to 
figure out down the line, but I know not everyone has access to that. So, um, you know, in the future, figuring out ways to like provide access and or any kind of tools or resources or conversations that can facilitate um, helping people, regardless of what their access level is, to like confront their condition and uh, seek help in a way that's like feasible for them is like top of mind right now. Um, But but yeah, it's, it is all connected and I love therapy. I will talk about therapy forever. Um, and I think it's just really, it's a really like good tool to use, mm-hmm. um, yeah. to help you with whatever yeah. you're dealing with. Exactly. And it, and kind of going off, like what you said in terms of like access, like unfortunately access to therapy is also really difficult for a lot of people. So, yeah. um, I think, being aware of that. And that's a big thing for me too, is figuring out how to provide mental health services to people, um, no matter what their health insurance looks like, no matter like their socioeconomic status and same thing with health insurance and physical health and like all of the access to that that you mentioned. Um, so anyone listening, like definitely remembering that, when I speak about my mental illness, I speak about it from a place of privilege. Um, and kind of like what Gigi said as well. Um, and I know for some people out there, a lot of this is exacerbated or made more difficult based on race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, all of those things. Um, and so finding those people, finding those resources, um, I think is really the best place to start with all of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I echo all of this. (laughs) (laughs) So Gigi, one last question, um, kind of just to leave the listeners with, um, a little bit of support or, um, encouragement. Um, what would you like, what tips, what motivation, what would you leave with someone, um, who is experiencing an invisible illness, um, in terms of kind of just encouraging them to move forward? Um, okay. Well, if you're brand new to invisible illness, just remembering that like everything is valid, like that you're feeling, um, something I talk about sometimes is like the guilt and like the grief that you go through of like, oh, like my life is not going to be how it ever was before. I'm not going to be able to do all of the things like um, even like, again, things like dating or like going out with your friends can be made more difficult because of a chronic illness. And like accepting that is so hard because it's like, Mm -hmm. fuck, like uh, my life is like challenging. And then also just kind of being empowered by it being like, okay, well, like, here's what I can do, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. only control like your reaction two things, um, and your mindset around them. So I think it's so hard to do. And like, again, like this has taken me over a decade to figure out. Um, and it comes with maturity. It comes with accepting it comes like when you, when you go through grief, like you're, you're grieving the life that you had before, Mm -hmm. um, the life that you, you were able to do all these things and now you're not, and that Mm -hmm. sucks. Um, so any kind of things that, help you with that. I highly recommend therapy being at the top of your list. Um, <laughs> also potentially like working with like friends and just kind of saying, look, like I recently got diagnosed with, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, um, I'm just trying to figure out like what that means for me and what I'm able to do. Um, you know, education is key. I think also understanding like 
your condition and what you can do. Um, obviously, I'm not saying look at WebMD and be done it. I mean, <laughs> you know, going to a doctor and saying, what resources can you provide to me? Um, especially the doctor that, you know, uh, 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 the doctor that diagnoses you, like mm-hmm. say, like, can you send me a couple links or talking with your therapist? Because those are the people that are going to have like a licensed um, point of view on it. And then mm-hmm. I think also looking at like holistic things like meditation and breath work, you know, that's also key to managing your stress levels, if anything. And, um, at least with chronic illness, like stress is probably the number one thing that exacerbates a flare up in any condition across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that if you're able to use a tool like meditation or breath work or, um, you know, maybe acupuncture, massage, like anything holistic like that is very, very helpful in like regulating your, your nervous system. And if you can do that, it normally helps me at the very least think with a clearer mind so I can articulate better. Um, so I can express my feelings better. And, um, yeah, I think not hiding it is very important because it took me again, years to figure out how to express what I was hiding inside. And mm-hmm. the second that I did, look what happened. Now I talk about it on panels and to yeah. amazing people like you and to, to kids all around the world about it. So I think that's just the most important thing. And just know that like, there are other people that go through this and mm-hmm. like, you're not alone. Um, and chronic illness looks different for everybody. Mental health and mental illness looks different for everybody. Eating disorders look different for everybody. Like it's all intertwined, like mind, body, soul. And just knowing that like, sometimes you do have to go through a couple doctors, a couple mm-hmm. different cycles of doctors or a couple different trials of medication, or unfortunately you have to go through a couple friends. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes friends kind of drop off and that's a whole other thing. I think mentally that I didn't really touch on, but like losing friends when you're sick is so difficult or family members. Sometimes like I've been fortunate enough to have family that is really understanding, um, friends, not so much. And that was really hard. And like, again, you're not alone. Like other people have gone through this. A bunch of my other podcast episodes kind of go through some of these things, but, um, yeah, you're not alone. I promise. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the most important message. And I think that reminding people that they're not alone, that goes for so many different aspects of life. Um, and just making sure you're surrounding yourself with those people that, that you just described Gigi. Um, and I think one thing that I wanted to add on to that is finding people online who are going to normalize that conversation, yeah. who are going to make you feel safe, who are going to make you feel seen. Um, obviously not replacing those people with like licensed professionals, um, like doctors and therapists and stuff. But if it's, you know, a therapist online, then Hey, yeah. but adding that on to your, you know, like your doctor and, and stuff like that, I think is really powerful. Um, and just again, reassures you that you're not alone in any of it. Yeah. I think like these online communities and like influencers and Facebook groups and Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts, like a lot of them show the real sides to what's going on. And Mm -hmm. if anything, it also can validate, bring out a lot of the emotions or it can verbalize things that maybe you haven't even said um, out loud. And I think 
it it holds a place for you to kind of like feel like you're a part of something, um, yep. which also is what connects us. Like human connection, I think is like what we're here on earth to do is connect with one another. So, um, mm-hmm. just connecting with other people dealing with similar things is like so important. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many people out there. I, I just, yeah, that's, that's an amazing point. And like, take everything with a grain of salt and don't let social media, like dictate things that you do do things based on research, based on calculated, um, you know, like result driven, uh, tactics and practices, like do all of that research and then act on it and then Mm -hmm. reevaluate how you feel mentally. And then maybe go back, see what other people are doing. Like, don't, yeah. So that's that's my last thing. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Gigi, thank you so much for being here. Um, I am so thankful that we were able to talk about chronic illness, talk about invisible illnesses, because again, like I said, before we started recording, um, this is a topic that I haven't really talked about on the podcast yet. Um, but I'm definitely seeing it a lot in my internship and with a lot of the clients that I'm working with. So obviously it's prevalent, obviously it's important. Um, the work that you're doing is so important and I'm so thankful for it. Um, so before we go, do you mind sharing with everyone, the listeners where they can find you? Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I'm really grateful to also be here and I do apologize for my very, uh, all over the placeness today. Do not apologize. (laughs) Um, I think that's another thing I told my friend, like this, this holiday season, we're being like sugared up and shameless (laughs) about it or something crazy. I don't know. I've been like on this like really strange, like all over the place mindset, but that's okay. Yeah. holidays do funny things to us, um, and bring out underlying emotions. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, uh, sorry, that's a long winded way of me saying, thank you so much. And (laughs) you can find me at, uh, ggrobinson.com. Google my name, GG Robinson. I'm at it's GG Robinson on every social platform. Um, it's all linked on my website. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok, but, uh, I do also post a lot of stuff on, my website frequently I update it um so yeah that's pretty much that yay and I'll obviously um link everything in the show notes so it's easy for everyone to find you um but Gigi thank you again so much for being here thank you for being so vulnerable um and sharing your experience with your chronic illness um it's very empowering. It's, it's just so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you've found yourself in the space that you're in being able to open up and really just share what you're experiencing. I think it's so amazing. Yay. Thank you so much again. (laughs) Yes, of course. Thanks Gigi.